Recorded live at Esto in Savannah, Georgia, this is Brand USA Talks Travel. Esto is the nation's premier annual educational and marketing event for destination marketing professionals. We brought the podcast to Esto to keep you current with new trends and tools in the travel industry. Here's your host, Mark Lapidus. You've got to be one of the most active guys in travel on social media. <laughs> Has it ever gotten you into trouble? Yes, with my wife. And I don't mean it the way you think. Some people know me a little bit as a foodie, and we're blessed to be in a wonderful industry where we get to see wonderful things, have amazing experiences. And one of my favorite art mediums is actually food. You know, chefs are artists, and any destination I go to, especially if it's my first time in a destination, I like to research, you know, fun places, unique places. So and how does that get you in trouble? Well, so I then post pictures of my wonderful oh. meals. And you're talking about my wife, and especially when our kids were younger and in grade school, and there's my wife making mac and cheese and chicken nuggets <laughs> for the third night in a row. I know the drill. And then she has to go online and see, oh, there's my husband having, you know, the sushi feast of a lifetime or, you know, some amazing bolognese, uh, you know, somewhere. That I think this is pretty common in travel. A lot of us have heard this from the other side. So my wife's like, so, dinner wasn't bad last night, was it? <laughs> like, uh-oh. My guest today is Amir Elyon, president and CEO of Longwoods International. Previously, as you can probably tell, Amir is a pal of mine because he worked at Brain USA as the vice president of partner engagement. Those were good times for the Amir. That was a lot of fun. And he was also the director of the Ohio Office of Tourism. And he's been in the travel industry forever, over 33 years by my reckoning. Is that correct? 35. I'm going to date myself now. If you don't know Amir and you're listening to this podcast, my question to you is, why don't you know Amir? <laughs> I don't know. They may regret it after they meet me. It's hard to believe that it's been an entire year since we chatted last year at Esto and Grand Rapids. Time really flies by. How was the year for Longwoods? Well, it's been a great busy year for us. You know, two years ago, we were a company of 10. Now we're 19 and we're hiring two more. So you want to advertise those jobs now? Yeah, sure. If you have experience as a senior vice president of operations or you're a seasoned research analyst, come give me a call. Be sure to mention Brand USA Talks Travel when you call. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Hashtag Brand USA Talks Travel. So back to my question, how was the year for Longwoods? Uh, it was a very good year for us. Um, one of the byproducts of the pandemic is that a lot of folks realized they didn't have the research and the numbers, the data that they really needed to answer a lot of key questions. And so there's been kind of this big across the board resurgence of need for not just having research and data, but for refined and quality research and data, more primary than secondary data. So that's our world. So we've, we've been growing. Again, that's as a result of growth personnel. We also acquired a company. We announced it in April, uh, Clarity of Place, which is a consultancy that works on issues of destination development, sustainability, helps communities figure out where that fine line is between their capacity to bring in visitors and the comfort level of the residents. Hmm. You know, when you're talking about sustainable tourism and development. I know that's become a big thing. It's become a thing. So they've been developing some tools and they launched their first one called Place Balance. So if you ever talk to David Holder from Clarity Place, he'll be happy to share it with you. But I'd like to do a podcast on that, oh, actually. Yeah. We'll get it done for you then. But he and his partner, Tina, come up with some amazing things. And all of what they do really involves a solid foundation of research to get the ball rolling. So it's been a wonderful uh, partnership. I started a clock when we sat down. I was wondering how long it was going to take you to mention the word data, which <laughs> you did in the last paragraph. So That's here right. we go. Where do you see the most potential for destinations these days to improve the use of data? their marketing. 
Uh, well, I think it is about a triangulation. And what I mean by that is a lot of the clients we work with, they will only use one or two sources of data. You know, we're a survey research company. That's our specialty. There's great geolocation companies out there. There's data companies that work off of, you know, airline data, credit card data. There's so many sources of data out there. And I get it. You know, I'm not telling everybody you have to have a million dollar research budget. Far from it. But every source of primary research or data has its own strengths and weaknesses. One of the things survey research does, for example, is gives you the why. Uh, if you're looking at geolocation data, you see how, but it may not tell you the why. And, you know, when you survey, you're talking to the traveler, they're telling you the why, what made him tick, what made him decide, you know, and so forth. I and mean, we can go ad nauseum through all the different types of research and data there. But, you know, you're looking at one slice of the pie effectively if you're only looking at one data source. So it's important that you try to get your hands around whatever other components you might be missing. And when you overlay that, that's the triangulation. You know, instead of one piece of the pie, you're now looking at the pie. And it's amazing what you learn when you overlay that stack of research. I was just speaking with Alan Davis, the VP at U.S. Travel, and we were talking about them hiring a new VP of research. And we were also talking about the trend of more and more DMOs hiring research directors. Where do you stand on that? So I was a Simple View Summit right before the pandemic, back in 2019. They had the heads of a lot of the research houses in our industry. And uh, we were sitting on a stage, and they kind of have a moderated panel looking at the future, where things are going. And the moderator turned to me and said, Amir, what's the one advice you give to the industry? And I said, you know, it's funny. Research and analytics have been around for a long time, but when 800 numbers became a thing in the uh, 70s and 80s, you all hired call center managers. When the interweb thing came out in the 90s, all of a sudden you put up websites and you had somebody to manage your websites, right? When social media came out, all of a sudden there's content management and social media and so forth. And now with, you know, chat GPT and generative AI, you're going to see those positions, you know, quickly forming among destinations. Why is it when research has been around for decades, less than 10% at the time of all DMOs had so much as even a junior data analyst on board to manage all these inputs in there? And that was us saying, you know, treat that as if they were running your website or they were running your marketing program or whatever it is. It's essential that if you're really walking the walk as a data-driven destination marketing organization, how is it you're operating without somebody inside who can make heads and tails out of it? I'm going to throw a ball at you. Let's see if you hit it. If a DMO called you and said they had a bunch of candidates for a position for research, would you be willing to help them? Absolutely. We do it all the time. We even share resumes sometimes. Of, you know, we, you know, we're looking for different, you know, you know, very specific yeah. traits. And we, we, we share resumes of people we think are talented but just wouldn't have been a good fit for us. Well, the reason I bring it up is because there may be a lack of knowledge at a lot of DMOs of what to look for in a research director. Oh, yeah. And I got a lot of job descriptions that I know how to write. So <laughs> we've used, uh, yeah, absolutely. We, we, we consult all the time. And you're right. You know, that's a growing trend now. So I'm very, very pleased to see that more DMOs are waking up and going, yeah, I got to get my hands around this internally. So that's good. So I want to hit a couple of topics very quickly. The first is one that I kind of know the answer about, at least internally in the United States, because everyone I talk to says, I am done with COVID, but I'm not really sure that the world is done with COVID. Is the world done with COVID? The world is not done with COVID, and the American traveler isn't even done with COVID. And what I mean by that is, you know, we do this American travel sentiment tracker. It's a monthly study talking about current issues and that might be on the minds of travelers and, and how they feel about it and how it may or may not impact their travel. So we asked the COVID questions, you know, we used to do it every wave. Now we do it every few waves. And we did this last month. And while only 10% of American travelers told us that COVID still greatly impacts their decision to travel, about one third, 32% of American travelers told us that COVID still impacts how they travel in some form or fashion. And what I mean by that is, so think about this. 
16% of American travelers still refuse to travel abroad now. I mean, you know, you're here all summer long, you know, there's no Europeans in Europe this summer because all the Americans are there. But the reality is 16% of these high value customers are still saying, I don't want to go abroad because if I get COVID, I don't want to have to deal with the healthcare system there. I don't want to, you know, I don't know what, you know, there. So you're still seeing that happening. You're still seeing about 15% of American travelers still choosing rural destinations over urban destinations because they don't want to be near the crowd still. They still have covered. And you're also looking at about 12% of American travelers who are choosing to drive instead of fly, not because of the hassles of flight cancellations, delays, or whatever. It's about the fact that they don't want to be on a crowded plane with everybody hacking, sneezing, coughing, whatever. So obviously, I'm going to look at this the other way with people coming internationally to the United States. What's the impact of that? Our tracker doesn't cover that, but some of the data that we've seen that's out there from other third parties indicates that COVID is not a major concern for their travel to the U.S. Well, that's good news. Unfortunately, it's the safety crime issue and that that tends to be the bugaboo. Let's jump to another topic, electric vehicles. Well, you know, as one who's actually shopping for one right now. <laughs> Don't talk to me about the prices. Well, they're coming down now, so we're happy about that. But, you know, in terms of travel, we actually just did, uh, in partnership with Miles Partnership, they commissioned us to do a uh, study on travel sentiment in regards to specifically electric vehicle use. And we found something very interesting. We, we've been asking the question periodically in our tracking studies, but we went dug a little deeper. And you're looking at about just under 40%, about 38% of American travelers are telling us they are likely or very likely on their next trip to use an EV. Wow, it's higher than I thought it would be. Is that because they just want to try it? Part of us, they want to try it, but... Look, when you think about it, most of the major American automakers have said by the end of this decade, right, they will be producing less than 10% of their fleets being gas-powered, right? You hear these with Ford or GM or whoever saying it. So I think the average American household is now, it's not a novelty anymore. If a family's got three cars, one of them is probably now uh, an EV, you know, and it's not just a Prius anymore, right? I think people are just trying to normalize it. And when you're traveling, a lot of rental car companies will now rent you an EV and so forth. So I think it's their way to try it out, like you said. But I think it's also those who have bought them now are trying to see how far can I go? How easy is it? How difficult is it? And we know we have a transportation infrastructure problem that, you know, if you want to drive cross country in an EV, um, you may be heading to some areas where there aren't any, or at least not many, uh, charging station opportunities. Amir, I know that you're always in information gathering mode. You talk to a lot of people. So what kind of trends are you getting asked about here at Esto? The W word, workforce. A lot of states are now starting to ask their tourism departments to get engaged in the workforce recruitment as well. As my friend Bill Geist usually says, as, uh, that you know, tourism is the first date in economic development. There's a lot of folks uh, seeking out wellness again. That was very trendy about 10, 15 years ago, and a big resurgence as, no secret, it's been kind of a stressful last few years for a lot of folks, and especially in companies. A lot of companies are finally starting to understand that the mental well-being, not just the physical well-being of their employees is an important thing. So you're seeing trends in developing along those lines. We're also seeing the economy. For over a year now, we've been told the recession's coming, the recession's coming, the recession's coming, and, you know, and depending which economist you believe, probably going to happen sooner or later here. But see, this is the kicker, right? Because typically our industry is first in and last out, right? When it comes to an economic downturn. And here, while other indicators have been slowing down, travelers are still spending. They're still coming. The volume is there. Everything's moving. You know, yeah, we've seen some softening around the edges, but nothing critical. So we're watching real carefully where the consumer mindset is. But I'm telling you right now, nine out of 10 travelers are still telling us they have plans to go somewhere in the next few months. That's fantastic news. Yeah, it's great news. Before we go, I want to ask you about your involvement with Esther Cares. Oh, Esther Cares. That's a labor of love. So wonderful destinations host Esther, like Savannah. We were in Grand Rapids last year. And these committees really roll out the carpet for us, don't they? I mean, they go all out and they make us know 
know and understand that ESTO is a big deal for them too. So ESTO Cares is the brainchild of the National Council of State Tourism Directors alumni group. So there's a bunch of us old former state tourism directors, all the has-beens. And about eight years ago, we got together and kind of formed an alumni group that meets, you know, on an annual basis here just before ESTO every year. And we said, you know, besides just being social, you know, we should step up and help give back in some form or fashion. So we organized ESTO Cares. Every year when ESTO is happening, we work with the host destination to identify a local nonprofit that could give us some kind of exercise and engage ESTO attendees on Sunday morning for just a couple hours where we actually fulfill some activity of giving back to the community, but also help raise money for that nonprofit. That's so nice. And you get to hang out too, right? And we get to hang out. Oh, and by the way, a couple years ago, we decided, you know what? It's Sunday morning. It's early. Besides coffee and donuts, maybe we should uh, have a Bloody Mary bar for those who may have come in a little late, you know? So, so we, we do that too. But in all seriousness, um, we have a great partnership this year here in Savannah with Girl Scouts of North America because the Girl Scouts were founded where... Was it here? Here in Savannah. Absolutely, yes. I had no idea. So we worked with the local regional council here is the uh, Girl Scouts of Historic Georgia is the name of their council here. Wonderful people. Elizabeth Brown here is fantastic to work with. So they brought in, set up an operation for us here yesterday morning. We had a record 140 volunteers that gave up their time to have coffee and Bloody Marys with us and then assemble kits for the Girl Scout troops here. Kits that help them earn their badges. I learned something new this week. Did you know that the Girl Scouts don't just sell cookies? No. Neither did I. Well, evidently, they have a big fall drive, which actually generates more revenue for them than the cookie sales do. It's called their fall drive, and they sell, like, nuts and gift wrap. And actually, they do sell some cookies. They sell holiday tins full of Thin Mints. So for those of you who want to think about great family and corporate gifts, there you go. That's my favorite one, by the way. We assembled a whole bunch of those, and, you know, I was hoping I'd get a box of Thin Mints as a thank you, but I never got one. No. Uh, but, but so we had a lot of fun, and we're taking donations through the end of today because tomorrow we're going to present them with a big check, but as of about an hour ago, we've already raised over $5,100 for the Girl Scouts right here. That's fantastic. Congratulations. We've done uh, river cleanups. We've done protecting sea turtles, beach cleanups. We've done uh, food bank work. We've done all kinds of great so things. So how do people get involved with it that don't know anything about it's it? It's real easy because every year when the ESTO registration goes up, ESTO Cares is always there on the homepage and you just click on a separate tab. It requires a separate registration because it's only limited capacity and it's a simple $25 ticket. All the money taken in, 100% of it goes to the charity of that year. There's no overhead. Well, much continued success with that and all the work you do, Amir. Thank you, sir. Thank you for joining me today on Brand USA Talks Travel. I'm Mark Lapidus, live from Esto in Savannah, Georgia. Thanks for listening. Engineering, Brian Watkins. Production and music from Asher Mirovich. If you enjoyed this live from Esto episode, please share it with your friends in the travel industry. Safe travels.